Looking for new threads? Well, we've got you covered at the Music Is Live podcast official merch store over at tpublic.com. Whether it's t-shirts, baseball tees, hoodies, coffee mugs, travel mugs, phone cases, or onesies for your infant rockers and metalheads, you can find everything you're looking for over at the Music Is Live podcast merch store at tpublic. Go to my link tree at l-i-n-k-a-t-r dot e-e forward slash Music Is Live podcast and get your merch today. Buy my stuff and thanks for your support. TerraNut is proud to offer you a natural nut bar chock full of healthy fats, minerals, and protein that meet your demands. Go to their website, www.terranut.com. You can order from them directly, and they will ship it to you. Use my coupon code, LUMAVS, and you will get a 25% discount on your first order. TerraNut Superfood Snacks, www.terranut.com. Don't forget to use coupon code, LUMAVS, at checkout. Fuel your life. You're listening to the Music Is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mabs, on the Rat Sound Review Network. To the death. No. To the pain. Music is Live Podcast. This is your host, Lou Mabs. Check out everything you need to know about the show over at musiciaslivepodcast.com. I am happy to say that today I have three-fifths of the band To The Pain here. And To The Pain are very good friends of mine that I had the pleasure of meeting at Decay and Decadence 5, I think it was this year. Yeah, it was supposed to be the fifth one, but we had to uh, knock one out because of COVID. So it's the fourth successful one. Yes. Yeah. And if anyone remembers the number, they probably were too sober to remember it. Anyways, no, but, <laughs> but I'm very happy to say that To The Pain are a group from Long Island that I'm proud to call friends. And they have the honor of opening for Metal Allegiance on September 25th at Stereo Garden in Patchogue, New York, which, as anyone knows, is a beautiful venue that I went and recently saw Holy Mother at with Mike Torelli for the D. Snyder record release show. And if you want to check out a great metal band, Check out To The Pain. They will be one of the opening acts. And I'm proud to say that we have from To The Pain on bass, Mr. Johnny Fila. On guitar, Mr. Steve Shaver. And on guitar, Mr. Sean Smitty. A.K.A. Pantene. (laughs) (laughs) A.K.A. Pantene. (laughs) Thanks for having us, man. No problem. We appreciate it. No problem. What beers you got there? We got Bitburger. Bitburger. Germany's number one import into America. Pittburger, yes, please endorse me. And then I got uh, a German beer called Giever, uh, which is a fantastic Pilsner. A bit on the dry side, but it's a heck of a lot better than Miller Lite. Giever, I'm talking to you. Please sponsor them. Beer and metal go together very well. They do. They do. You guys have three CDs out, all available on iTunes, and I assume Spotify. I don't subscribe to Spotify, but I know you're on iTunes. And Rat Style Review, we do have a radio show that we do through Spotify. But in order to listen to the full show, you have to be a paid Spotify member. Regardless, though, we will definitely play some To The Pain tracks on there. I'd have to say off the new album, which is entitled X, which came out (laughs) last year and is available, There Will Be Blood. That is a killer track. (laughs) <laughs> so i highly recommend that thank you thank you we called the uh the album x because of me and smitty's obviously affinity for the band racer x i couldn't so we, tell <laughs> we, we, we thought it would be a great not so inside joke <laughs> well i'll tell you if i were to give my opinion on what i would say to the pain sounds like i would say you take the best elements of the classic 80s thrash metals you combine them together but then on top of that you kick it up a notch with some sick Halloween style dual guitar riffs. Also throw in some influence from Racer X. And I would even say, you know, cacophony. You guys are masters at your craft. I love what I heard. And I could say that honestly, because, well, I played with all of you. <laughs> That's true. A lot of fun to play with you as well, man. That was great. That was one of my favorite songs of the entire night. Oh, no doubt. Fast as a Shark was amazing. That was amazing. Thank you. I'd have to say that that night, Decay and Decadence, we played the three best songs that night. I would say Fast as a Shark, Burn by Deep Purple, and Eagle Fly Free. I mean, oh, yeah. we yeah, all yeah. killed it. 
And yeah, Smitty, awesome. holy shit, how did you pull that off? You, you made me want to play it, and I'm trying. I have it so badly that I've actually got video footage of Michael Wyckoff and Kai Hansen playing it together. I'm like, what are they doing? <laughs> Took a lot of practice, man. That really was, that was... That turned out to be much more than I bargained for. I thought that was going to be a quicker learn, but that actually took me a few weeks. I asked Shaver. I kept telling him. I was like, I'm panicking. I don't know this yet. It's a tough song. It all kind of came together right in the last two weeks or so, but before that, I was freaking out. <laughs> you and Johnny Wildchild, Johnny Sersich, who we miss, and we hope he's doing well in Florida. You guys did a killer job that night. So I want a little backstory on To The Pain. Steve, you are the longest serving member, the founding member of To The Pain. Right. So please give me a little background into you. What got you into music and what led you to create To The Pain? To The Pain came about uh, Johnny, the, the singer, and I were in a band in the 80s called Distorted Image. That was where the song Silent Horror from our first album came from, the Distorted Image years. And we hadn't played together in a long time. I was in a ton of bands most notably the band, the Martha Fockers that plays all eighties hair band stuff, which totally leads you to want to play thrash metal, obviously. So Johnny and I were out to dinner one night and I was like, what do you think about just writing some songs? And he goes, all right. He's like, you got anything? And I had written this one song that's on the first album called burn. And uh, oddly enough, that's what I played at uh, decay and decadence different song. though. Totally so, no relation. Right. Exactly. Don't sue me. Deep purple. <laughs> so we started messing around with that song. I wrote like some BS lyrics and I was like, I just sent it to him. I was like, what do you think? And then I re-recorded Silent Horror with me playing drums, playing bass and and uh, me playing guitar. And he's like, you know, I think we could rewrite the middle of Silent Horror. So we did. And we started getting on a roll writing songs. And once we wrote the song that's called The Smell of Sulfur, which is like a slow. Uh, yeah, it's doomy Black Sabbath. That was when I kind of thought we had something. So once we had about four or five songs, we kind of thought we should put together a band and see what we could do. It was just originally going to be a recording project. So we got a, a buddy of ours named Jimmy Clementas to play drums, our friend uh, Jeremy Lustig to play bass. And it was originally just a four piece. It was the four of us. We decided that if we were going to play out, we probably should be a five piece. So we got my, my friend Mark Trojanowski, who is the other guitar player. In the Martha Fockers, that was the original five guys. We recorded our first album, did a bunch of shows. Mark ended up having to leave. He was having problems with his hands, so he left. We got Craig Piano in. Then Jeremy decided he was going to join the Army, so he joined the Army. But we got him to play a little bit on the second album, and he actually has played on every album. We've gotten him at least to play one song on each album. On the new album, he plays bass on the song Control, which is the last song of the album. It's kind of like a, a little more prog rock than... The rest of the album it was like your take on dream theater right like right eric and i were talking about doing a dream theatery kind of song and that was kind of our little take on it we also had chris borgia came in to play bass for a little while the borgia yeah the borgia the borgia sorry borgia at that time the band was kind of a lot of fighting we had put out our second album it was doing well we opened for doro we opened for rob dukes from exodus's band uh generation kill it was just too much fighting going on in the band we broke up the band for a while johnny and i went out to dinner again like a year later and we both kind of missed it so we decided to give eric a call who actually i originally called to do the first album but he was unavailable to do it and then i called jimmy so eric was available to do it the three of us kind of just got together wrote some stuff got jeremy to play a little bit bass we recorded control i think that was the first song we recorded and then we decided well jeremy's getting shipped off to germany with the army so i called johnny because johnny and i had not talked to each other for a while we were friends in high school not talked to each other for a while gotten back in touch with each other grabbed him to play bass we started writing the album most of the album was done and we played one gig. The overwhelming response after the one gig was, you guys sound great, but you need another guitar player to fill it in. So we were looking for another guitar player. And my rule was, we're not getting another guitar player unless they can rip it up. Because we had had two rhythm guitar players before this. And I wanted a guy who could shred. So I saw this Pantene commercial with this guy with beautiful flowing <laughs> oh, lines. For the love of God. <laughs> and so on. And so on. And so, so on. So Don't John hate on them because Smitty has good hair. No, hell, I'm, we're all jealous. Are you kidding? So Johnny actually was playing the first Decay and Decadence show. So he was like, why don't you come down? He's like, there's a whole bunch of people involved in this that we don't know because we know a lot of people on the scene. But, you know, let's see some guys we don't know. Smitty, you guys didn't play the first song, right? The suicidal song. It was like a couple in. Uh, yeah, that was like three or four in. Yeah. So Smitty comes out with a couple of guys we know and they, they play uh, 
it was, it was uh, you can't bring me down by suicidal. Yeah. So it's got that clean guitar part, which actually oddly enough, Chris Borgia was playing and then Smitty starts playing and I'm like, Hmm, that guy's got some chops and he tore it up in the middle of the song. And I was like, eh. and Johnny, I think saw the look on my face and kind of had an inkling that Smitty might've been the guy from the one rehearsal that they had. Johnny and I talked throughout the night. Smitty came over after we were all done playing and I did an awesome death metal version of Creeping Death. We just kind of talked, you know, say, hey, you know, we got a band. Would you be interested in joining? You know, we like to do the shred thing. Take a listen to the to the stuff. And if you like it, cool. We have most of the album written, but I can tear out the solos that I did. And you record. It's not quite 50-50, but this way, there's a good representation of you on the album, at least solo-wise. Nobody cares about rhythm guitar anyway. Um, That's not true. So <laughs> if it wasn't for Malcolm ACDC, it wouldn't be ACDC. That's true. And and Jakey Lee's an amazing rhythm guitar player, too. I always have I always get a kick out of it. <laughs> I was late to the party on this one. It was too late. Yeah. The rhythms were all done. I, I mean, it was ready to go. We just kind of held out to see if we got somebody. Smitty came down, redid a bunch of solos, tore it up, did a ridiculous solo on the song Fuel Injected Nightmare, which was a remake from our first album where I hated the middle section. Because I wasn't at the rehearsal that they wrote the middle section. The two criteria <laughs> for the new middle section of Fuel was, what if Frank Zappa took his whole band and pushed him down the stairs? And then what would Kerry King do? So that was the middle section. And Smitty just destroyed the solo on that. And that was, I think, the first thing that you recorded, wasn't it? Yeah, that was kind of the thing that you, you kind of asked me to do uh, a video for just to run it by the other guys who hadn't seen me play uh, in uh, Squints and in Eric. And uh, luckily, it, it sounded pretty good. And they they liked it right away. So Yeah, they were both like, hell yeah, let's get this guy. <laughs> so we asked Smitty to join, and here we are now. We played uh, with, uh, one gig with Ross the Boss, which was ridiculous. Where was that? that? Was a lot of fun. Uh, it was at uh, Blackthorn 51, and the legend of the dual guitar madness was born. That was so fun. What a, what a night. I mean, yeah. Everything about it. Even just hanging at a party and bonding after we played and just screaming along with Manowar songs, we became a family that night. You know what I mean? We were already close, but that really like solidified the whole thing. That's one of the things about the band that I love so much is this such camaraderie. It's a it's a brotherhood. It really is truly good friends that play music together, which is just awesome. More than you could ever ask for. You know what I mean? I can attest to that, and I'm not even in the band. But let me just say this. like, I keep thinking back to the night that we all played together in different songs throughout the night. Just seeing how genuine you guys were and the talent that was there and like the kindness. Here I am, the new guy, coming in. Steve is deserving of being the one credited for calling my guitar the Stein Joe. <laughs> Stein Joe. <laughs> Which was the Steinberger in a banjo case. <laughs> I, I just remember someone yelling at me, who the fuck brings a banjo case to a metal concert? Then I opened it up, took out the Steinberger. Who the fuck brings a Steinberger to a metal concert? I'm like, me. I have to give that credit to Steve for calling it the Stein Joe. I would say that the Brotherhood is still there. It's definitely there in your personalities, and it's there in your performances. It's very genuine. Regardless of the fact that whether you're a local act or not, the fact that in the performance and on record, it resonates that this is a, a, a tight unit and you know you're going to have fun when you see it live. I think it definitely speaks volumes. I'm hoping that when September 25th comes along, please, guys, melt faces <laughs> and make new fans that night. <clears throat> Every, we, we definitely will. You know, you know, when we first put the band together and we were talking about, you know, and obviously it's different personnel, but we always felt like you want to be an arena band in a club. We go see so many bands play, you know, so many of them are our friends. And we, we are friends with a lot of great bands, by the way, Jackpipe Friday, get your uh, new album. Mr. Larry um, Foreman's band. Yep. We have a lot of friends, but there's also a lot of bands that we see live that just stand there. They're looking at their shoes. They're just playing guitar and looking down or their singer just stands there like this. We want to be like Anthrax on stage, moving around, engaging the crowd, doing crazy guitar stuff, doing crazy bass stuff. We want to entertain and play crazy stuff and write good songs. I think we're there. I think we're doing a good job of it. I think uh, the 25th, you'll find that out. Hopefully, you know, we, we make the big guys go, hey, those guys, uh, 
aren't messing around. It's all we can ask for. Speaking of big guys, I mean, this concert is no joke. I mean, let's run through who's going to be there. You have Metal Allegiance as a headlining act. You have Alex Skolnick of Testament. Phil Demel of Violence. Mike freaking Portnoy himself. Mark Mengi. Mark of Death Angel. And John Bush of Armored Saint, formerly of Anthrax. This is a metal fan's wet dream here. I'm serious. Go check the show out. September 25th, Stereo Garden in Patchogue. To the Pain. And who else do we have on the show? After us is Magus Beast and Kill Code. Both killer bands. Yep. Awesome bands. Yeah. Magus Beast played with us at uh, Ross the Boston. That was the first time I saw them. I was blown away. They were great. Magus Beast has opened up for uh, Queensryche. Jeff Tate and some other big names. Definitely wanted to drop some uh, love for Mike Festa. If you, if anyone out there is looking for a great sound man, check him out. He he owns Pro Sound, uh, Pro sound. Rentals. Yep, and one of the best sound men. Excellent. So, Mike, uh, hire this guy. If I can relate a short story, Lou. I used to be involved with a charity thing, a five hundred one c three thing uh, called Rock Out Cures which always used to do something in, in uh, at the Plattdeutsch in Franklin Square. They would raise money for all different causes. And uh, Mike was always the sound man at, at, at all those gigs, which happens every September. Mike was always doing the sound. I don't know if he's doing it anymore, but he probably did the first 10 years of the charity thing. He did the one I played at. Yeah, that, I mean, that's how I met Mike. I used to be on the board, Steve. I don't know if I ever told you. Of, uh, of Rock Out Cures up until uh, 2012. I've known Mike since Rock Out Cures started in 2007, 2008. If I'm not mistaken, boys, last time I saw Armed and Dangerous a couple of months ago, he did the sound that night. Awesome. Yeah, over in uh, Ron Con. Yeah, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. He must pop up every once in a while for, you know, the good, the good buds. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I had the pleasure of meeting him back in October 2010. We did a benefit concert. I, at the time, I was in an Aussie tribute band called Off the Rails. Mike was the sound guy that night and did a wonderful job, even uh, donated to our cause. We were able to get my brother-in-law to raise enough money for Memorial Sloan Kettering that it got him the chance to run in the New York Marathon that year. Wow. And wow. he did it in under five hours. So awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, quite a feat. That's, yeah. that's yes. awesome. Yeah, yeah, my first was a hell of a guy. Very good guy. Back to To The Pain. I listened to the new album, and like I said, the influences are there, but it sounds original. And that's something that I'm always looking for when it when it comes to bands. Personally, I would like to see this on a Century Media. I would love to see it <laughs> signed. We're all musicians, and we all do it because we love it. If we can make a living off it, hey, that'd be great. But it's getting to a point right now where I would think that musicians themselves don't really need a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, you, you can look into self-copyright, self-publishing and things like that. How has that been working out for you being independent? It's hard getting people to listen. You know, that's really the one thing. It's not hard recording an album. It's not hard writing the songs. Well, it's hard writing the songs to a point, but the hardest thing is getting people to listen. We do well with having people come to shows. I think a lot of people that didn't catch us at the Rasta Boss show are excited about this new version of To The Pain. Cited Smitty's in the band. Smitty's got a lot of fans on Facebook because he does his little guitar videos, which are amazing. Gets a lot of eyes on our page, but it's hard for us to get people to listen to our stuff. You know, we don't have 10,000 streams of our songs and making a boatload of money off of streams or, or getting a ridiculous. We do hurt ourselves in a couple of ways. We don't have a music video. We do have a lot of live stuff, especially the Ross the Boss stuff. It's not the whole show. 90% of it is on YouTube. And there's some really good quality video of it. You know, how I about mean, we change all that? I would like to see if I could direct something for you guys. I do have a video editing background. So I would like to help get it out there. Guys, I'd be happy to sit down with you, talk over treatment yeah. and get it out there. And I want nothing for it. If you, if, 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 if you get anything from YouTube, I'll take, you know, a minute, but nothing up front. I'd be happy Absolutely. to do it. That would be fantastic. We'd be all for it, Luke. That's that's very magnanimous yes. of you, bro. Really appreciate that. That's amazing. Hey, I want to see you guys succeed. Sorry, I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we could certainly use that. We could certainly use some kind of video. This whole lockdown, the person it's been hard on is our singer. He's had a rough go during this whole lockdown. I'm hoping that the Metal Allegiance show kind of brings Great him out know. of his funk and, you know, Shoots, you know, puts him in the right direction. It's been a it's been a rough go for him. Our drummer is a, a warrior. 
the the three of us are warriors. We just soldier on. We all love playing. We all play in other things too. You know, we don't just do to the pain. We all have our hands in other little things. I think a video would certainly help us. I'm not really sure what else we could do to get other people to listen. I've tried getting us on Spotify lists and we're on a few. I always joke that we suck at the internet. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the, a real joke. Exactly. The, the interwebs. You know, we're good. We're good at playing. We're good at writing songs. We're good at playing live. We suck at the internet. You know what, though, Lou? We had so many really huge opportunities coming up right before it hit. And I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm playing the violin for us. It happened to everybody. But we had three major gigs coming up that really would have helped expand, you know, the visibility of this album. The timing. Great point, Sean. It's a great point. Yeah. It came out. And then sort of fizzled a shooting star. You know, once the gig stopped happening, it was like, oh, God, you know, I completely understand. You know, I mean, the pandemic has made it rough for everyone. I mean, unfortunately, it got to a point where I was so disconnected from anything that was going on in music because, well, tours had stopped, gigs had stopped, venues shut down. I think revolution closing was probably one of the worst things to happen. Oh, to terrible. Yeah. Between horrible. revolution and Blackstone closing. Yeah. You know, ter- it was just terrible. I'm happy for Kevin Castle because he found a new home with uh, Lucky 13 Saloon, I believe. He's doing shows in Brooklyn right now, uh, which is great for Brooklyn. Sorry? Yes, Kevin Kevin Scandato. Yeah. It's fine. Kevin and I have the same exact birthday. Oh, really? (laughs) June 3rd, 1967. Kevin uh, booked me on a bunch of shows with his brother Mike uh, from Inhuman back in the day. So, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for their family, especially what they did for metal and hardcore. But yeah, I mean, you know, with, with Long Island right now, I mean, we have, I like to think we have Amityville Music Hall, but right. at the same time, though, I think they're a little bit more focused on like the emo punk thing. But hey, Amityville Music Hall, there's they metal bands out there. Book yeah. them. That's metal yeah. stuff. You know, they're good for that as well. That's okay. metal stuff like that, too. Well, and, damn, uh, damn your eyes just played there. You know, yeah. so that was they're they're doing some metal nights. Stereo Garden has actually been doing more metal nights now, too. I just heard Dying Fetus is playing there in November. Right. Get the fuck out of here. OK. <laughs> oh, my God. Smitty just bought a ticket. Without oh, my moving. God. <laughs> oh, my it's God. either that or, or he or he Pitching just a Dying Fetus. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely, Jesus Christ, they're the fucking best. Oh, uh, they're great. It would be great if another venue popped up miraculously. I mean, like. I know there's the warehouse, but I think they're too busy doing the cover band, tribute band thing. Local's too small, I think, to even house like metal concerts where like, you know, 100 people could fit in. Mm -hmm. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying like, you know, the dimensions of it on the inside, it's not big enough unless they decide they want to take a chance, which is great. They have a parking lot big enough that, you know, people could park their cars there and go see a show, a local show, check out a local band and support them. How's, uh, was it Barnum Island, uh, the, the place over there? We played there. To the Pain played there. I did not. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we played We played uh, Maelstrom's CD release. Was it called something else at the time, Steve, or was that still the same? Yeah, it was, it was called The Hub at the time. What was that, and, right, right, before, right before I joined Steve? Yeah, so it was, yeah, it was us, Cold Steel, I want to say 2017. Oh, okay. I didn't realize the hub was still going on at that point. Okay. Yeah, 2017 right. I mean, sounds right. Right. I mean, I think, uh, Steve, what? I've been in this since uh, summer of 2018 now, right? Right. So I think it was 2017 that we did that. That was right, one so. of our last shows. And now they are that Barnum place. Actually, I, I think uh, Baron Mascuda of uh, Carnivore AD is actually playing there soon with his Motorhead Plasmatics tribute, Motor Plasma. Oh, wow. So I guess, hey, you know, maybe Island Park, that's a new venue. That's a new uh, metal venue. It's Um, actually a good venue. I mean, we played there. It's got a good size stage. It's a good size room. Um, It's the downstairs is all pool tables. It's a pool hall. And the upstairs is like a rock club. You know, they have tables. They have a bar. They have couches on the side. It's not the old strip club over there, is it? No, 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 no. (laughs) No, I, 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 I just want to say strip club. I, I just want to, I just want to say strip club. I remember that. Ve- who does it? I remember <laughs> that venue very well. Cause I remember at the time I was in a rush tribute band, sticks and arrows. We had to bring our instruments from, it was like these stairs outside of the venue up. And I'm just like, Oh God, we're going to freaking destroy the drum kit. And our drummer had a very big drum kit, you know, Wait, hopefully it's you in a rush tribute band, I would assume so. Hell yeah. In a rush tribute band. I'm sure the drum set was humongous. It wasn't a three piece. I'll tell you that. <laughs> one, one, one would think, right, Sean? Uh, hey, yeah. 
Hey, Lou, you were in Snakes and Arrows with Greg Hawk? No, Greg Hawk replaced me. Oh, okay, okay. But Greg is my boy, so I... I was in I've, a band with Greg. He's a, a great guy and a phenomenal yeah. bassist. Awesome. So. Greg is a much better player than I. <laughs> Johnny, you're fine. The fact that you yeah. kept up with Fast as a Shark, I don't know that many people that can, so <laughs> I, I couldn't. All right, that's it. Now I got to drop the ball. My first interaction with Smitty. So he finds out that I'm playing guitar with him on Fast as a Shark. And he's like, hey, bro, call me. So I call him for 30 minutes. We're talking about like, all right, this is what we're going to do. You're going to do the wolf part and I'm going to do the other guy. I'm like, wait, 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 I'm, I'm doing the wolf part. And I'm thinking this guy's in a fucking metal band. I'm like, I'm going to choke. I just know it because, <laughs> you know, I hadn't I've never played like that. And Sean's like, you could do it. And if you can't do it, let me know. Even if it's a day before, just let me know. And I tell you, you were very supportive. And I'm very grateful for that. You pushed me to kill that night. And I have to say, when the three of us together, when we started doing like with the two guitars and the bass together, and Johnny's just like pointing at us and everyone's screaming, I was just like, this is where I belong. And uh, <laughs> that's awesome. I, uh, that was, that that was, was amazing. That was my first time playing a metal song live in live on stage in oh god dare i say 12 years so wow. thank really? you, you know, uh, on guitar yeah one of the things that i i have to admit is i you know talked to a few people that knew you people like you know uh, johnny Wildchild, and i said oh no he's a great guitar player you don't have to worry about anything with him so uh, by the time i talked to you i had already been told this guy can really play you don't have to worry about him at all you know what i mean so i really I didn't think i could <laughs> No, hey, Johnny, great, where'd man. you go? You did great. Thank you. He probably needs you. a beer. <laughs> By the way, Steve, I have to say, so the night that we did rehearsal for uh, Decay and Decadence, I helped out on Burn yeah. on bass guitar. Big up to uh, Sean Cox, formerly of Sworn Enemy, who let me borrow his bass for that. I ended up putting that, your guitar solo for Burn, on my TikTok. That got over 853 views and like 12 likes. Wow. wow. So that was, that was awesome. And like, I'm listening to it and I'm just like, Wow, it would be cool to play bass in a Deep Purple tribute band. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's what I was in with Greg Hawk. We did a Deep Purple tribute band. Very um, cool. Me, him, and Joey Lodes from Maelstrom. We had no keys. We played all the keyboard parts on guitar. Mm -hmm. Joey Lodes played all the keys. I did all the Blackmore stuff. Nice. And you know, then Maelstrom actually contacted me about uh, getting them on Music is Live podcast. So, you should. Uh, you should. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Johnny, what beer do we have now? Thank you for asking, Lou. This next round of conversation is brought to you by... Pilsner Erkel, the Czech Republic's one of them oldest beers and the original Pilsner beer that Budweiser and many other companies have copied, including that crap beer, Miller Lite. Thank God he's drinking good beer and not Natty <laughs> Ice, people. Anyways. That's true. That's true. Uh, have you ever tried shotgunning a, a, a Natty Ice? That's an epic hack. <laughs> Many times. I was in the fraternity in college, man. <laughs> Johnny, I'd like to ask you, though, who uh, I see you have a really wide array, beautiful assortment of bass guitars back there. Which one would you say is your favorite? Is it that Fender P that's right there? Uh, well, th this is a self-build. Uh, Steve has his, uh, you know, his Franken build, and I myself have my own Franken build over here. So this is a uh, Warmoth body, I think, if I remember correctly. Uh, USA Custom Neck from U USA Custom Guitars. Uh, then, of course, you know, you got to have the mirror pick guard, you know, hey, it, you know, you know, even if you're not like a uh, Phil or not, uh, you know, you want to, if you're going to have a black face, you got to put a mirror pick guard on it, right? Hey, it, Phil it ah. got away with it. And then I got my uh, EMG pickups in here that set up in a PJ uh, setup, of course, regular P bass and then jazz. And I uh, got my Fender Badass Bridge. Not from Fender, badass bridges. Uh, and then I'm running uh, an 18-volt preamp uh, through it also. Uh, I run a pretty hot signal. Uh, I don't know if you notice when I play, but I really don't hit the strings too hard. I hit them just right. I saw that. I was going to compliment you on your technique because it had that nice, chunky tone, and it didn't sound like you were going, <laughs> you know, it didn't sound like you were yeah, my, putting my, too much my pressure. My technique is a little unorthodox. Uh I, I play for what I think that the song needs, whether it's, uh, I, I, you know, Lou, I, I play very, un I said unorthodox, I play with one finger typically, and I, I do a lot of uh, 
uh, down hit and then up hit with the same finger. Every now and then I'll play with two fingers if I'm going for a straight ahead groove. But sometimes too, I'll pick up the pick, you know, if I if I need to attack more. So it, it, it's, you know, it depends Whatever on the song works. calls for. Exactly, you know. And uh, that came about because I used to be a guitar player. So when I used to be a guitar player, I used to have to, uh, if I needed to play bass, uh, no, when I was playing bass, if I wasn't using the pick, if I wanted a different sound, I would I would hold the uh, the pick in the palm of my hand with my middle finger, you know, and then I would only have the the index finger to play bass with. So that's that's how that came about. Because people ask me, how do you do that with with the one finger? I say I can't really teach you. You have to like just grow into it. You know, even guys who I consider, you know, uh, better players than myself. I'm like, I, I, can't, I can't teach it to you. I can tell you how you to, how to arrive at it. But, I, I you know, you, you, it's something that you just do because you have to. You know, so it's a little unorthodox. But, uh, you know, like Getty Lee or James Jameson, it works. Well, I really do think you have a great tone and a great technique. So, oh, thank you. Know, you I, love it. I, I appreciate that. It's very and- uh, Smitty, I know that you seem to be a fan of the Gibson Les Pauls uh, the studios. Uh, yeah, man, just because I don't have $5,000 to throw away on a, uh, you know, uh, an old Les Paul custom that looks like Randy Rhodes's, but who does? They're affordable. They're great guitars. They sound the way I need them to sound. Yes. I, uh, th- this one right here is actually, it's a uh, junior. I remember that one. Flat top. Yeah. But uh, I love the guitar. I love the pickups. I'm always telling Steve, this is the one I would record with over all of the other ones. It just, it just has the best sound to me. So I, th- I think if anything, you guys prove that it's not the, you know, the price of the instrument, but it's the quality of the musician. So that's what I would hands. say. It's in the hands. Just Steve like Eddie have said. This conversation all the time. <laughs> yep. Having the right pickups and things like that will help, of course. But yeah, man, uh, your tone is comes from your hands like they say man you know your hands and your brain you got to think about the sound that you want to get out of the guitar and steve i know that you're a fender stratocaster player and they seem to be all hot rotted with uh what i i have the same uh with the demarzio super distortion humbuckers this is what makes them work you need a ferrari sticker like ah very nice Uh, I have a demarzio fast track two in the back and the original malmsteen Demarzio in the front. The middle is just a throwaway pickup. I don't. I don't really ever play. Much Nobody ever does, unless you're John Mayer. <laughs> right. Actually, two things. I always set the bridge, the neck pickup, super low, and the bridge pickup super high. And I feel like that gives the 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 front a little more bottom, and the back a little more bite. Could be my imagination, but I have it set on all my guitars. Is it so. safe to say that you record all the songs for To The Pain with the strats? I used for the for X, one channel is actually one is this guitar. One is this guitar. The Fender Telecaster. Yep. So I use the Tele on one side and the Strat on the other side. And then I use the same amp, which was probably a mistake. I should have used two different amps, but I don't think I had another amp that would have worked at the time for what I was trying to do. I Luke. noticed you have a hip shot detuner there too. Yeah, I have it. Uh, it's on my Strat too. This one, this one works a little bit better. This is the, this is the real hip shot one. I forget what the other one is. Some other brand, and it just doesn't work as well. This one works great. I uh, got the detuner on the telly because Richie Cotton. Ah, very nice. I'm a huge Richie Cotton fan. I love talking gear with musicians because <laughs> I don't feel like enough people the- talk about it. There are a lot of reviews, but no one's ever like discussing it. You know, like there's no conversations about it. And to me, it's like the equipment that a band uses, you know, the arsenal to go into battle is just as important as the quality of the output of songs. And oh, that's absolutely true. No doubt. Have, said it's all there. I have another guitar that has made an appearance on all the To The Pain albums that is a highly unlikely metal guitar. Hang on one sec. I wonder what it is. What in the? That's a PRS. Really? A Paul Reed Smith? And it's a semi-hollow. And it's made an appearance I'm on stumped. every To The Pain album. And it's got a nice broken string on it. But that. Uh, <clears throat> it's all stock and it sounds amazing. Kudos to, to Paul Reed Smith. They make great guitars, but I cannot play that thing live to save my life. I've used it at a couple of cover band shows and it's a struggle. It sounds great. It's hard to play. Smitty could probably kill it on it because it's more of the Gibson Les Paul 
Um, uh, so scale. That seems cramped to me. I'm used to, I grew up playing the Ibanez's. I was an RG guy. So the necks were a little wider. So I got used to that. And then the strats are a little rounder, but to me, the Les Paul necks feel a little crowded to me. I don't know. I don't have gigantic hands, but a little bit on the bigger side hands. I used to play Les Pauls. I had an Epiphone Nightfall. That's right. I discussed this with you. Unfortunately, um, I'm not getting any younger. And the thing started wearing on my back. Wow. I understand. So then I switched to uh, the my Fender Strat. And then I discovered Alan Holdsworth. And that's when I said, I want a headless. And... (laughs) That explains the reason why I got the Steinberger. Like I said, I just love talking gear. Now I want to talk about influences. Johnny, I want to start with you. I know you mentioned you're a guitar player first, and then you switched to bass, but who would you say were your biggest musical influences? I'll start with some guitar, and then I'll I'll quickly switch over. When I was a kid, I listened to a lot of ACDC. You know, like anybody else, ACDC, Priest, Maiden. I mean, Maiden was such a huge influence on me overall and then of course Ingway on guitar so I, I was learning a lot of that stuff on guitar then when i was like 19 years old uh back in what year was that when that was before the dinosaurs 1700s died i forget uh no that, that was no it was a little bit after the dinosaurs died uh, Steve, be nice it was 1986 i was 19 years old and uh i switched over to bass because i discovered that uh a lot of people a lot of my friends that i knew needed a bass player you know everybody wants to be everybody wants to be a shred master and i'm like well you know uh, I, I, and i'm like i don't seem to shred as good as everybody else you know so i said uh let me switch over to bass one of my first bases was a bc rich warlock bass i was into kind of into motley crew back in the old days no offense to motley crew of course you know great band uh they they did their thing back then yes uh, we all love the classic key stop my ha You know, so I was about 19 then, and then I had a, a decent band going on with a buddy of mine from high school, not Steve. I kind of knew Steve just a little bit back then. Steve and I have a few years difference. Steve's a little bit younger than me, somewhere around a thousand years. Love the abuse. <laughs> self, you know, self-abuse. Doing it all to himself, you know what I mean? It's right, like, right. Uh, so I, I switched over, you know, like I said, to, to bass in you know, 86. Uh, had a really good band going uh, in 88, 89, which I actually uh, I played with the Dream Theater's ex-singer for a little bit. That was when I got more into the prog stuff that we do. That would uh, be Mr. Charlie Dominici, correct? No, no. I'm talking even a little bit further back. Chris Collins? Chris Collins, yeah. Holy Chris shit! Collins, Chris Collins played played with my band for a little bit. Chris, you know, he's a nice guy, you know. But my going back to my influences, you know, it was the influences of what I always listened to, which were Getty Lee from Rush. Of course, Steve Harris from Maiden got into the Billy Sheen stuff. A lot of the Ingway, learning a lot of the Ingway stuff turned me on to classical music. Even to this day, I, I play a lot of classical music just in my home. I listen to Beethoven all day long in my apartment. I just leave it on Alexa and I just let it go. You know, that that's uh, Chris Squire from, Ye- from Yes. I used to listen to a lot of Yes. I, I, I love uh, old Yes. You know, so that, that those are my big influences. Uh, Sheehan, Chris Squire, Getty Lee, Steve Harris. But even then, there, there's a lot of guitar playing thrown in there too and so it it gave me really good recognition of what a song needs to stay a solid song i'm not looking to be billishing i'm not i'm I'm, you know it's not my thing i just want to make really good songs especially playing with these two guys when we do fuel i got to keep the whole band together you know if i if i if i'm not keeping the whole band together forget about it it's just going to fall apart that's what i got to do. very cool and by the way you're perfect at being you and i love the way you play if i, can, I can't emphasize that enough i i appreciate it i'm just doing what i think the song needs you know and uh and you know steve and i have had such a great time recording some other stuff too even outside of to the pain you know which has been a boatload of fun i can't wait to uh do more stuff with to the pain also with sean and, and bringing sean in with such a pisser steve was talking before about he wanted a guitar player to keep up with him i just want somebody who could keep up drinking with me honestly is the only policy <laughs> and, and i'm still i'm still waiting for that first beer from sean i still <laughs> Still really own one, man. We never really got a chance to have that beer. Steve, how about your influences? You mentioned, I see you have an awesome Paul Gilbert poster back there. And Steve I. Oh, that's who that is. When I was a kid, uh, I actually bought an Iron Maiden songbook before I heard Iron Maiden. Wow. So I had, I 
want to say it was the first two albums and i sat with my guitar teacher and we learned iron maiden from the notation there was no guitar tab no nothing so i remember learning the song iron maiden and some of the other songs you hear that millennials he learned it the hard way and then i heard iron maiden and i was like holy cow so iron maiden was really the first metal band that i loved even even like hard rock they were the first ones i loved adrian smith he was my guy even though i feel like i have more of Dave Murray's tone. Adrian Smith was my guy. Mine too. I have a Jackson Adrian Smith, so I know what you mean. And and then I got into uh, Vivian Campbell from DL. He was another guy that I loved in the beginning when I was first playing. Obviously, Eddie Van Halen. You know, uh, it's hard to play guitar in the 80s and not be a Van Halen fan. But then uh, I'll, I'll never forget. I think it was 1984. This Rising Force album came out. Star. My guitar teacher was like, you got to buy this. You love, you know, crazy guitar players. Check this guy out. And I'm like, what is his name? Jawingy? What is that? <laughs> Jawingy Malmsteen? What is that? And, uh, I was out with my uncle and I was like, hey, can we stop at a record store and, and, and grab this? And I grabbed the cassette of Rising Force and I put it in my uncle's car and Black Star started. And I was like, maybe I should just not play guitar ever again, because what the hell is this? It just... Blew me away. The man like Eddie launched a million clones, but I'm happy to say you don't sound like him. You sound like you, and that's good enough. Uh, if I had to say I sounded like any of my influence, it would be the next guy, which is Paul Gilbert. Nothing uh, wrong with he that. He was the guy I spent countless hours you know, with his videotapes. He was a great teacher. He was the first guy where I really got it, where I was like, oh, I understood the alternate picking, because I could do the Van Halen tapping stuff and a little bit of the legato stuff you know learning iron maiden and stuff like that i couldn't really do the fast picking i didn't understand the whole ingve fast picking thing i was like i'm never going to be able to do that and then when gilbert kind of broke it down i was like all right i kind of get it the other thing was i also grew up with joey loads from maelstrom who is a ridiculous guitar player so i had a lot of that stuff shown to me just sitting in his living room the two of us just jamming on whatever, you know, we would share guitar lessons. So what'd you learn this week? Oh, I learned these jazz chords. What'd you learn? Oh, I learned this scale and just back and forth, just throwing lessons at each other. Then after Gilbert, Stevie Ray was a big guy. Kenny Wayne Shepard too. Thank oh, God for great. Kenny Wayne Shepard in the nineties because nobody was playing guitar solos anymore except for him. So I got big into Kenny Wayne Shepard. I loved, you know, his stuff in the nineties. I played it in a bunch of bands. Then around... I think 2001, 2002, I had heard Kotzen back in the shrapnel days. And I remember him doing the craziest, you know, I mean, all those guys, Jason Becker was unbelievable. I mentioned Steve Vai before I left him out. Steve Vai was a huge influence too with the whammy bar stuff. But when I heard Kotzen solo stuff, the singing and the songwriting part of him, I kind of realized that you could write a great song with a simple guitar part. You know, not that necessarily our songs have simple guitar parts, but I was like, oh, you can just hold the G chord and have this cool vocal melody go over it and it can be a good song. That's what people latch onto is vocal melodies. And that's one thing that we have into the pain is we have a melodic singer. He carries the song, you know, as much as me and Smitty and even Eric with the crazy double bass and crazy drumming. And, and Johnny has his, his moments where he's play, playing crazy stuff. Johnny squints carries the band because he's got that melodic vocal style, that Joey Belladonna ish kind of thing. I was going to say he's sort of like a combo between Joey Belladonna. And then he hits those like King Diamond type notes, yeah, which I found right. pretty impressive. And he'd be happy to hear you say that. He really yeah. like that. And even like even on the song Control on our on our new album, he kind of brings a little Getty Lee style into it. You know, and he's a huge Rush fan. John loves Rush. Oh, yeah. You know, that's his band. Neil Peart is a huge lyric influence for him. After Cotton, you know, there are guys here and there that I like. I think the guys from Trivium are good guitar players. I like listening to them. I like their sound. I don't necessarily love their songs, but I think they have good guitar sounds for a modern, more modern guitar players. Rain is still my favorite that they've done. I just love that intro yeah. riff. Even the guy from Avenged Sevenfold, he's a good player. He's a good player. Is he? Is he the greatest? He's a good player. I can't believe his dad tours with Jeff Dunham, the yeah. uh, ventriloquist. Yeah. Does he really? <laughs> yeah. His dad's a good musician. You know, there's some oddball guys that I like, you know, there were, there was, we discussed know, this actually at the rehearsal for De Decay and Decadence. We were talking about Tosa Nabasi and we were talking right. about the guys like from uh, Periphery. Periphery. I love those guys. I think Misha and uh, uh, Mark, Mark is an awesome guitar player. And, and um, what's the other guy, Josh, Jake Bowen, Jake Bowen. That's yeah. when we knew 
right off the bat that we would have a great time doing this with you because we could have stayed there for hours and just kept talking about this stuff that night. Yeah. <laughs> we all had to go, you know what I mean? But we could have yeah. stayed there for hours talking about this stuff. So yeah, we knew you'd be you'd be great to do this with, you know. Cool. Well, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention one other guitar player and looking at Smitty totally reminded me, Randy Rhodes. Ah, I had I, my Randy Rhodes phase was not as long as Smitty's has been. When Tribute came out, I'll never forget like hearing the live version of I Don't Know and hearing the live version of Flying High again and stuff like that. I'm a big live album guy. Love Live After Death, love Worldwide Live. Even Matias is an is a influence too. Tribute was like, holy shit, this guy is a really ridiculous guitar player. And mm -hmm. I had heard all the Aussie stuff, but just live, they he took it to another level, I felt like. There was a good couple of years there. It was probably right after the Ingve thing where I kind of needed someone to, hey, bend a note, you know, and Randy gave me that. Great player. I never, sorry, Smitty, I always hated Randy's tone. <laughs> Really? I was never into it. I guess I like the smoother kind of stratty kind of guitar sound. I, I don't think Randy's tone was so fat. You know, it seemed to be a little lacking. Like, like I, I didn't, like I didn't love the triple tracking idea. I would yeah. just, just do it once. But on tribute, know. he's got it's on tribute. It sounds like he has four distortion pedals on at once. Yeah, it sounds and, well. He's got, he's got four. Yeah, four rack <laughs> pedals. Well, but, he's got he's got a. Uh, it's a. Uh, he's a, a boss. Plus, yeah, yeah, and he's got yep. uh, a chorus effect going on and an equalizer, and, and he never used the amp gain. Well, it's it's up, but he's got a hot rodded Marshall on top of that, so it's already jacked up for high gain to begin with. And now he's stepping on that MXR Distortion Plus, and it's just like you hear him when he when he turns up his volume, you'll hear like for a second, yeah, you know, what I mean? no, 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 freaking. Noise gate was going to stop that, no. you know. <laughs> no, no. One I thing I will Randy, say though. is, I am not a big gain guy. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I play with that much gain. My rhythm sound doesn't have that much gain, especially compared to some of the guys I see like playing around, and some of the modern guys. I think Dimebag and and those guys just made everybody take the gain knob and turn it to eleven. And I'm like, yes, he did. I, I, I'm not into that. Zach Wild, he's got the oh. game turned up to 11 and it just sounds like mud to me. I have opinions on Zach Wild, but I'll leave them. Listen, off, well, off one the thing I will say respect to Zach and respect to Dime because in the 90s, I think guitar and metal would have died out if not oh, no those guys. Right, right. You know, those two guys really carried the torch for well, metal. Right, I would say so. And, and Petrucci. And Petrucci. And Petrucci, yeah. See, now Petrucci is someone I got into more recently. In the last 10 years, I would say. I always mm -hmm. liked Dream Theater, but I liked them because of Portnoy. Portnoy. I'm a frustrated drummer, so I love <laughs> Dave Lombardo and Charlie Bernante and Mike Portnoy and guys like that. I always listen to Dream Theater for the drums. I hate the singer. I think he's terrible. Um, my young is great. I love Kevin Moore. A little bit more than I like Rudis because I think Rudis is a little too over the top sometimes. I have to admit, Images and Words is my favorite Dream Theater yeah, album. Yeah. So no doubt, and then they lost me after that. And but I think that minus a couple of albums in the middle, Petrucci has been better and better and better and better and better. Like he, every album just gets better and better. And I love the you know the little <laughs> snippet that I posted yesterday of their new album think it sounds amazing they finally got someone good to mix it that knows what they're trying to do um, andy sneep. the drums sound a little sneepish he's got his andy sneep drum sound mm -hmm. but everything sounds so full and just punches you in the face and i felt like when mangini joined they lost that mm -hmm. you know uh I, I think portnoy and petrucci producing together are you saying this because he's going to be at the show you're playing no, at? <laughs> no, 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 no no i've i've met mike a bunch of times and he's an awesome guy one of the girls i work with is good friends with mike they went to high school together and you know he couldn't have been nicer to me always was a nice guy oddly the guy that uh, i really like in winery dogs is richie Cotson, and he and i don't get along very well but <laughs> oh, I, I, I respect your uh, objectivity. Yeah. I, well, I've just never had a good experience meeting him. You know, mm -hmm. I've met I've met him probably like four or five times. And he just seemed, he just seems a little standoffish. Aloof, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? If he yeah, sees and, this video, he's going to kick your ass. <laughs> well, bring it, Cotton. Let's do it. <laughs> Deathmatch. <laughs> Round one. Fight. 
Anyways. Throw it down. <laughs> Smitty, how about you? Randy Rose. He's the guy who launched it all for me. Ozzy growing up was the thing that turned me on to metal. I started, I'm a little younger than these, these fellas, so, and I started really young. <laughs> I lived on a block with a whole bunch of dirtbags constantly cranking Priest and ACDC and Ozzy and stuff, Sabbath, so... I mean, I was I was buying my first metal tapes when I was five or six years old. Randy, definitely the guy who made me want to pick up the guitar. But I'd say, I mean, it's all the other Euro metal guys that probably were the next most important. Blackmore, Shanker, Uli John Roth, uh, Thin Lizzy, you know, all different incarnations of Thin Lizzy with Gary Moore, with, you know, with Robo, with, uh, you know, anybody, you know. You so, mentioned all my favorite players. Well, that's where it all started. And then... I was, like I said, I was a little bit younger than these fellas. So, yeah, I, I found Maiden and Priest and all of that in the early 80s. But I was a little late to the party on anything. I didn't really figure out anything. I didn't really learn about him until Trilogy. But then I immediately flipped out and worked my way back. That was, that was a good one to learn from. <laughs> all the way to Alcatraz. And obviously, uh, as the boys are always joking, he's probably my biggest influence as far as the way I play. And... You know, I know I do sound like it sometimes, and it's you know, I'm I'm not a, I'm not a, I'll unabashedly say that's like a great compliment if somebody says that. Oh <laughs> <Hell laughs> yeah, know, I'd like to think that I do have my own sound and my own style, you know, because there are so many other people. But yeah, man, I I took to the shrapnel thing big time. It's like guys like Vinnie Moore. Vinnie, Dave, I was just about to ask you about him. Oh, he was he was probably the second most important guy. Vinnie Moore, Tony McAlpine. You know. Tony McAlpine, right, right, right. <laughs> Huge ones for me. So, you know, and then of course, Steve I would eat him and smile and stuff like that. But uh, I always leaned more towards the uh, the brooding Euro metal sounding stuff or, you know, neoclassical stuff as opposed to the, uh, the uh, you know, the bluesy type of stuff. I did, I mean, I loved Van Halen and he was obviously a huge influence as he would be to any guitar player who wants to learn how to play cool licks that make people's jaws drop. You know what I mean? Once I started to develop my own style, I, I, Definitely leaned more towards the uh, the randyish baroque sounding stuff as opposed to the bluesy sounding stuff. You know what I mean? Basically those guys. But as far as bands, it's all the same guys, all the same things they said. Scorps, Sabbath, you know, Priest. Priest, Priest is probably my second favorite band. I mean, Maiden's obviously huge. All of those guys. Michael Schenker, you know, all of them. <laughs> you and I would probably have a lot in common when it comes to that stuff. We definitely do. And I think that's part of the reason why Fast as a Shark worked as well as it did because, you know, we were just, there was How a simpatico there. I not say except how could I not say Halloween? You know, huge ones also. No uh, doubt. And, and I mean, and Lou, to be really honest with you, I mean that's the influence. But I really uh, like my tastes have really progressed into much heavier stuff over the years. Like anybody else, I did the you know this sort of evolution into thrash. Mm -hmm. But I got into death metal and black metal and doom metal. So I mean, if you ask me what I listen to on a regular day, it's, I'm probably listening to something like that more than I am listening to the stuff that I grew up on. Like, I'm probably listening to Deicide before I'm listening to Ingve Malmsteen. But Ingve is ingrained forever, you know what I mean? So it's always going to sound like that. Right. Now you're just saying. Ingve, right. Ingve I mean, is such a huge influence on all of us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, even, you know, look, even from my perspective of a bass player, I've always liked classical music. So for Ingve to come out and do what he did you know from the from that first album on was amazing to me i would have to agree with that i mean his progression from alcatraz to even parabellum you know it's just like you know you can't out ingve ingve smitty well, i would say i would agree with you when i say that you know as you get older your taste progress i mean like you know i could see find myself listening to sabbath one day but then the next day i'll want to listen to waking the cadaver you know and then the next day i'll listen to halloween so it's it's um, it's yep. I was listening to, you know what I love doing, Lou, that you would probably find interesting is I love compiling uh, playlists. Me I'm too. always on the internet for playlists from this magazine, Revolver or Decibel or whatever, and compiling these playlists of the 10 best hardcore albums or the 10 best this. I just love listening to it and comparing and contrasting what I thought versus what... It's a great way to not only have all the great music condensed in one spot to listen to when you want to, yeah. but they'll me onto a whole bunch of stuff that i didn't know also so it's always a uh, actual a bit of discovery there also where they'll give me two oddballs i've never heard before and i'm, mm -hmm. I'm like holy cow these albums rip how did i never hear these so yeah man i, I love doing that it's like one of my hobbies
Well, again, I emphasize that as much as I know I hear the influence in your music, it sounds original. And I love what you guys are doing. I'm beyond excited for the fact that you guys have the opportunity to open up the Metal Legion show at Stereo Garden on September 25th. In anticipation for this, and we're gonna we gotta wrap this up soon, but there's a couple more things I wanted to ask. I wanted you guys to uh drop where people can find out about you and if there's any website where they could buy merch or can they buy merch directly from you guys at the show on September 25th? As far as the merch question goes, yes, we do have a, uh, a, a link uh, or a website on Big Cartel where you can get it. We'll get you the information for that. Uh, com. Perfect. That, that simple. But yes, we will have a table set up and we'll be selling merch at the show as well. So it's up to you. However, you would like to get it. Come down and say hi to us. We'd be happy to meet you. Say hi. Sign anything for you. We'll have CDs. We'll have uh, lots of cool stuff for you. Yeah, I think I think our intention after we play is to uh, hang out by the merch table for a while. So if someone wants us to sign something because our autographs go for big money on eBay, <laughs> um, we'll be yeah. happy to sign yeah, anything. We're buying something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm to me X still sounds fresh. I know it came out last year, but now I think this is a great opportunity for you guys to really get out there and promote it. And at the same time, though, I'm excited about the possibility of mu- of new music coming from To the Pain. I think we're probably going to play a few shows on X before we really sit down to write. Smitty's a, a writing machine. He's always coming up with riffs and he's cataloging them. I have a few riffs that I, that I've written after we do a bunch of shows, we'll probably see a lull either because things get shut down again. That's you probably know. our biggest fear right now, Lou. You yeah, also get, uh... you also get the middle of the winter, like February, and March, people don't want to go outside. So we'll sit down and see what we got and hopefully put some songs together, throw them back at, at Johnny squints, see what he's got vocally. Um, I know he's been writing a ton of lyrics, so I don't know when we'll start recording something. You know, we'll, we're going to see after Metal Allegiance how everything goes. We do have one gig after that, and then we'll see where, where everything's going. You know, maybe we'll get offered some other cool gigs, too. Hey, Steve, um, let's also plug the uh, Magri gig also. Let's uh, yeah, October, please do. Please do. October 23rd, we're also playing at the Village Pub. It's a, uh, a benefit gig for uh, uh, Joe Magri's brother, Larry. That's the Village Pub in Lindenhurst, correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, TC so, Crosses. Yeah, TC Crosses place. Okay. Yeah, I'm so doing. anybody wants to come hang out with me and see me drink Bitburger or Uber <laughs> or Pilsner or Kell. Smitty, what'd you say? Uh, I'm doing double duty that night, uh, Lou. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm playing with Magri in uh, our new project that's called My Haunted Past. So I'll be playing with To the Pain and with My Haunted Past. That night. Oh, and, very uh, cool. Village Pub, yeah. Smitty promises to- two bands, triple the notes. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have all links in the description below. So there you go, Vault. So the best, uh, the best way to get in touch with To The Pain is probably your Facebook page, then, correct? Yeah, Facebook yeah. page, definitely. And you're yeah, on Instagram. Or, or Instagram. We're on Instagram, too. Uh, right, cool. really good look, if you're a really good-looking woman, just call me directly. <laughs> all right, well, I want to jump on that big cartel side and pick up a shirt because I love the design. And, I didn't uh, give you a shirt. And I want to start promoting it on my show in Ratsaw Review. And uh, after we wrap up this interview, well, not immediately, we'll discuss it. But yes, I definitely want to help uh, shoot a video for you guys so you can get oh, us out there. We appreciate I, it very much. Yeah. Johnny, Steve, Smitty, I can't thank you guys enough for being on the podcast with me. You guys are not just an awesome band, but you're awesome people. And I'm excited that you guys had this opportunity to play September 25th, Stereo Garden, Patchog, New York opening for Metal Allegiance with Magus Beast and Kill Code. Right. I can't plug this any more than I already <laughs> am. So, <laughs> and I just wish you guys all the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So great. So great being on here. We appreciate you having us on. No yeah. problem. Well, I appreciate and, it. And too. I'm Thank sure you. we'll have uh, an offline discussion of more gear. And more Definitely. We always do and- during the work days. We're always like texting each other. Hey, what do you think of this gear? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for checking out the Music is Life podcast. Check out more about the show over at musicislifepodcast.com. Also check out our parent network, ratsareview.com. Check out some of the other podcasts on the show, including Beyond Bushido. And remember, we still have a GoFundMe going on for Eric Adams' mom. We are 25% of the way there. So thank you to everybody who's donated. 
Also check out some of the other podcasts, including Old Man Metal's Musings. Check out The Right Opinion with Harrison Bergeron. Check out Suck My Balls, the South Park podcast. <laughs> that always gets a reaction. It's <laughs> oh, <that's> awesome. <laughs> Just come by, drop some love. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on TikTok. Check out the sites. And uh, again, thank you to everybody who's been subscribing. We've been putting out a lot of content. And ever since we did the Halloween retrospective, which was a lot, uh, we couldn't thank you guys enough for even subscribing, liking, commenting. I mean, you know, we had freaking Timo Tolki on the last album review. So that was pretty awesome. Nice guy. That new record rules. Oh, it's my favorite album of the year so far. To the Pains X was 2020s. <laughs> Again, thanks for checking out the Music is Live podcast. And remember, check out To the Pain, September 25th, Stereo Garden, Patchogue, New York, opening for Metal Allegiance. Guys, cheers. And remember, all art is valid. Have a good night. Have a good cheers. night, Lou. Have a good Take night, care. everybody. listening to the Music Aside podcast brought to you by Anchor.fm and Ratsaw Review. Check out the other shows on Ratsaw Review, including Beyond Bushido, Old Man Metals Musings, The Right Opinion, The Vieira Vault, The Team Otoki Podcast, The BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry, Just the Cheese Please, and The Friday Night Party with the great Harry Barnett and Evie. Graphics by Rocky Baia. For commissions, find them on Twitter at R-O-C-K-Y-B-A-I-A. Intro and outro music for the show is Lose Control by The Rebel Medium, written by Jacqueline Guitard, Ernest Leyuk, and Lou Mavs. If you'd like to donate to the channel, please donate to our PayPal at musicislifepodcast at gmail.com. If you're in a band and you want us to review your music, then contact us at Mavs at musicislifepodcast.com. Special thanks to Wayne Noon and Greg Noggle. With much love and gratitude to Aaron, Anna, and Aloysius. For more information, check out www.musicislifepodcast.com. And don't forget to check out www.ratsareview.com. Remember, all art is valid. Thanks for listening. Cheers.